The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Today I wanted to continue the exploration around the seven factors of awakening, which is um, instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta in the fourth foundation of mindfulness. And so this is, this is um, the instructions in the foundations of mindfulness are encouragement to be aware of these qualities of mind. So not to just cultivate them to, um, to um, cultivate the mindfulness, to cultivate the investigation and the energy, but to be aware what it's like when that's happening. To be aware of the experience of these qualities that are cultivated, that come along in our practice. So sometimes in our meditation practice, we kind of emphasize what we're looking at, you know, what we're attending to, the experience perhaps of something challenging, a hindrance, something like that. We may emphasize that we're aware of the anger or of a reactive emotion and know how it affects the body and, you know, the quality of tension in the mind or the unpleasantness that's there. So we, we, we may be aware of all of that. But what the seven factors of awakening, this teaching is encouraging us to do is to be aware that we are mindful of this. And what's the effect of that? What's the effect of being aware of a difficult state? Maybe it creates some spaciousness, some ease, maybe some interest arises, some energy connected with practice. Maybe even a sense of joy. It's kind of surprising sometimes to be observing something like difficult emotion, like anger or something, and then see, wow, you know, that when we are kind of aware that this is what's happening, you know, that we know that we're aware of the, of the reactive emotion. Sometimes we can also taste the quality of, of delight or joy. Oh, it's so much, um, um, kind of the, the delight of the mind that understands something. So it's not delight in the anger, but it's delight in the mind that understands something, understands something about that experience, and understands that being aware of it is way more uh, supportive for the heart and mind. So there's some joy that can arise. Some ease, some calmness, some tranquility can come up where the mind gets settled and, and not so reactive. And some concentration, that there's some stability of the mindfulness and equanimity about this is what's happening. So these um, qualities that I just described are the seven factors of awakening. Mindfulness of experience, interest, curiosity, kind of the sense of... Um, the knowing, the meeting of the experience, the uh, investigation or curiosity, the being with what's here, energy connected with the practice, third uh, factor of awakening, joy connected with the practice, the fourth factor of awakening, tranquility, calmness, the fifth, 
concentration, the sixth, and equanimity, the seventh. And so these are available. My teacher, Sayadaw Utejaniya, in talking about these factors of awakening, says that the first two, mindfulness and investigation, are the ones that we engage with, really. And maybe even the third, a little bit, energy. You know, the, the, in, in my experience, the energy is a kind of a result of the mindfulness and the, and the kind of the, the investigation, which is an engagement. It's an effort. But energy is not effort itself. Energy is kind of the result of effort. That's how it's defined as a factor of awakening. That energy kind of results from engagement. And so the, the first two are really where we land with our, um, effort. We make the effort to be present and to connect with and be curious about what's here. And from there, the other factors of awakenings grow. The energy develops, the energy and the kind of the kind of movement towards being with experience and um, the kind of the, the momentum, kind of like catching a wave, you know, we make the effort, we paddle to get to the wave, and then we ride the wave. That's, that's catching the energy. So we, we, we touch into that momentum and there's a kind of a sense of the momentum. And the, with that momentum, there's the continued engagement, the, the energy towards the practice we continue to engage and it creates more of a continuity which then um, can create the conditions for that joy to arise and the settledness of mind that can come with that continuity, the tranquility, and the stability, the concentration, and the equanimity, the non-reactivity. So the, the first two are really the ones we engage with, and the others are more results of practice in a way. They can be cultivated by becoming aware of them, mindfulness of them. So this is what the 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 fourth foundation encourages, to be mindful of these factors of awakening. Be mindful when energy is present, when joy is present, when um, concentration is present, when tranquility is present. And that has the um, that has the capacity to and tends to nourish those qualities. It's like the opposite in effect of what happens when we attend to reactivity. When we attend to reactivity, it creates the conditions for the reactivity to weaken, to lessen. Because our system, because the mindfulness, the, the way we're attending, this curiosity about what is the effect of this experience, what is the effect of this reactivity? We feel the suffering of it, and our system wants to move to release suffering. So it kind of naturally inclines with this non-reactive attention to reactivity. It creates the conditions for the lessening, the weakening of that, for the mind to move away from it, for the mind to let it go. But when we attend to and get familiar with these wholesome qualities of mind, get familiar with these factors of awakening, the mind understands and sees that they are conducive to well-being. And so it naturally moves in that direction. So last time we talked in some depth about 
recognizing mindfulness itself and being aware that we are mindful. Today I'd like to focus a little more on investigation, the second one that's more active in a way. Um, um, how we how we explore it, how we engage with it. So as we are mindful, in a way these um, these seven factors of awakening, they can be understood as independent qualities that, that are cultivated as we practice. They can also be understood as supports. One will support the next, will support the next. So they're all, they, they can be understood in a, in a, um, a kind of a one, as one develops, it supports the development of the next one. So as mindfulness gets stronger, it supports the development and the capacity for investigation to be kind of curious about what's happening and to get familiar with what's happening. And then those two together, mindfulness and investigation, tend to support this quality of energy that we kind of catch that wave of, of energy that then in turn supports the further development of the mindfulness and the investigation. So there's this, these feedback loops too. So the, um, the factors of awakening can be understood that each one supports and cultivates the next or supports and then feeds back and supports the kind of the flourishing of the, uh, the prior one. So when we kind of touch into what mindfulness is and begin investigation and begin to um, get curious about what's there, that itself can nourish the quality or the factor of mindfulness and strengthen mindfulness. And when we catch that wave of energy, the, the mind is motivated and movement, moving in the direction of engagement. And so that strengthens both mindfulness and investigation. So it's beautiful the way these work together. They also can be understood as being kind of a pair of like different, the, the first, the first three, after mindfulness, the first three are kind of energizing qualities of mind. So there's mindfulness, which kind of begins the whole process or supports a kind of a balancing of these factors. These first three, um, investigation or the, the second through fifth, second, second, third, and fourth, um, are um, energizing factors. <clears throat> See if I've got my voice back. So the um, uh, investigation, energy, and rapture tend to bring the energy up in our um, experience. And the last three, tranquility, concentration, and equanimity, tend to kind of moderate that energy. So they're the, the, these two sets of three pairs, three, three, these paired sets of three kind of balance each other. The first three kind of bring the energy up. The second three kind of bring the energy more 
into balance. And so sometimes these, these factors of awakening are explored in terms of if the energy is really high in the system, feels a little bit excessive, like with restlessness, then it's useful to kind of emphasize or explore cultivating the settling uh, factors of awakening. So tranquility and concentration and equanimity. If the energy is a little low, if, it, if there's sleepiness or restlessness, it can be useful to cultivate or engage with the, uh, the energizing qualities of in- investigation, of um, energy and joy. So these, these factors kind of, they work together as a set. They support balancing each other. They also are talked about as ways to engage when there's challenge happening. So they're explicitly talked about in connection with the hindrances. So when the hindrances are happening, you know, if this particular hindrance is happening, these enlightenment factors are supportive. So if the hindrance of sloth and torpor is happening, it points to the energizing factors of awakening. If the hindrance of restlessness is happening, it points to the settling factors of awakening. So these factors of awakening are being cultivated even as we're looking at hindrances. That's a great thing about them too. Um, so as we cultivate or engage with the factor, the, the factor of, of mindfulness and begin to get curious about experience, this is the factor of investigation. Investigation, you know, initially is kind of just this curiosity or this engagement with knowing what's here. It's it's a piece of what mindfulness does. But we may um, we may actively engage a little bit more. Um, um, there's two different ways I like to think about investigation. The word investigation itself. Um, and different translations for this, the Pali Dhamma Vichaya. Um, Bhikkhu Bodhi calls it investigation of states. Tanasaro Bhikkhu uses analysis of qualities. So even those, even those, lang- even that language, you know, using the word investigation, we tend to think about or relate to that word uh, in terms of concept, in terms of, um, reflecting or um, thinking about, you know, what is this, you know, so we tend to think about investigation in terms of language in our minds often. That word can evoke that. Um, And what the, my sense or my understanding of what this factor of awakening is or what is pointed to here is not a thinking about but more a direct connection with and a, a, a knowing of the experience. My favorite um, uh, kind of word that connects with this quality in my, in my own practice is being with experience. Just to be with experience. when we are kind of hanging out with experience, there is a recognition of what's happening. We get familiar with um, body sensation. So if, it, you know, when we are being with experience from the perspective that the Buddha encouraged us with mindfulness, to just be curious about experience as experience, 
we're with experience in that way, we learn something. So, you know, when we're with, for instance, a, a hindrance, hindrance of aversion or some kind of reactivity. So being with that, we learn things. So there's an investigation that can happen as we're hanging out with that quality of mind. What we learn, what, what the mind investigates through just the being with, we don't have to try to think about things here. You know, it's more like just like, well, what's this experience of, what's the experience of knowing aversion? That's, that's, that question is essentially the investigation. We start to see that it affects the body. We feel various flavors of sensation through the body when aversion is present. We start to notice how it affects the mind. We feel a kind of a contraction or a tension or a pushing away or a lashing out when there's aversion in the mind. So this is an exploration of what is it like to have aversion in the mind. This is an investigation. And so we can, that investigation can happen very naturally with the, the mindfulness and the being with experience. And so we don't have to look for something in particular. There is also with investigation a, a kind of possibility, and certainly I've done a lot of this, and it's been very helpful to kind of orient a little more with a few more like questions in the mind. Well, what is this experience? How is it affecting the body? And, you know, what's happening here? And, you know, what happened before? You know, so there, there can be a little bit of, of um, kind of questions that arise in the mind. What was going on before this? Or how is this emotion affecting the body? What kinds of thoughts is it producing? So there might be some questions that arise in connection with wanting to know what's happening. But we're not trying to think about the answer to the question. We're not trying to figure it out with our rational intellect. So how's this affecting the body? Well, you know, this is, this is like, Let's see, what is it doing? What has what it always done? You know, getting involved in the thinking about it is not so helpful. But that question of how does this affect the body, that might kind of um, um, spur or arouse this kind of natural quality of interest to begin noticing Oh, this is how it affects the body. It's the noticing of the effect. It's the noticing of what's happening that is connected with the investigation, not the thinking about it or analyzing it with, with our uh, rational mind. So really, this investigation is connected with an actual direct meeting of experience. So we investigate our bodies. We, we notice the experience we're being with, and, and again, for me, being with is, is a much more, um, it's a lighter touch and it helps me to get out of the mode of analysis in my mind, which is such a habit in this mind. You know, some minds um, don't have that kind of uh, habit, but um, it, it, does, it, it, it does tend to be for this mind. And so I find using, can I just be with this? And not try to figure it out. You know, just be with it and let the mindfulness know what's here. So that it, it's, it's really honoring the capacity and the, the, the qualities to do their own work. To do, to do their 
function as they function. When mindfulness is present, it knows experience. When investigation is present, it's kind of curious about what's happening. So we we recognize what's happening in our bodies. We notice what's going on in our minds. Investigation becoming an awakening factor has a more specific kind of pointing. The, the, The suttas point to that the investigation factor of awakening is nourished by recognizing and attending carefully to the wholesome and the unwholesome. So the wholesome is, um, well, let's start with the unwholesome. It's easier to define. <laughs> the unwholesome is those states of mind that are kind of a rise in connection with greed and aversion and delusion, confusion. So all of those reactive states of mind. Plus some views and some ideas, uh, potentially ideas, um, views that are based in um, the kind of perspective that I need to get something in order to be happy. I need to get rid of something in order to be happy. So the, um, the unwholesome qualities of mind, the unskillful qualities of mind, are those that tend to lead us to suffering. They aren't defined as unwholesome for some abstract reason. They're defined as unwholesome because they tend to create the conditions for us to suffer. So it's very practical. And so the, um, the encouragement is to basically get to know those qualities. What are the unwholesome qualities and see the effect that it has? The wholesome qualities of mind are those that essentially they're defined as the absence of the, the qualities or the states of mind that are absent of greed, aversion, and delusion. So when the mind is not reaching out to get something in order to think it's going to be happy getting that thing or to push something away because it thinks that's what it has to do in order to find happiness. So the the qualities qualities of mind that um, based in non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion, these are the factors of awakening. Mindfulness, investigation, energy, joy, tranquility, concentration, equanimity. It's also um, the, the, the Brahmaviharas, the qualities of related to care and love. Metta, love, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, kind of the resonance that we feel, can feel, when we recognize the happiness of others and equanimity. Other qualities, other wholesome qualities, other lists that point to this, the, the, um, the five faculties, which points to faith, you know, the kind of the, the confidence in our capacity to practice and the confidence in the teachings to lead us to, uh, to awakening. Wisdom a factor of uh, the five faculties. The other three of the five faculties have already been mentioned, energy, mindfulness, and concentration. Other wholesome qualities connected to some of the lists, the paramis, giving and generosity, ethical conduct, wisdom, energy in there too. Um, 
patience a, a wholesome quality. Resolve a sense of this this can be done, a kind of a sense of that. There's a lot of wholesome qualities. And so the the enlightenment factor of investigation is uh, pointed to as well, it says that there are, the definition says something like, there are wholesome states and there are unwholesome states. Giving careful attention to those nourishes the investigation factor of awakening. So it doesn't say getting rid of the unwholesome nourishes the, you know, you know having aversion to or trying to figure out how to get rid of the unwholesome is what nourishes the investigation. It says careful attention to. And so this is a pointer in the investigation quality to begin to get curious about or perhaps to, in the in the practice of mindfulness, to, to move in the direction of curiosity of with whatever's happening, how are we in relationship to it? Is there Wholesomeness in the mind, is there unwholesomeness in the mind in relationship to experience? Because we might not necessarily be actively noticing the wholesome and the unwholesome. This is a way in to this exploration of the wholesome and unwholesome. So whatever's happening in experience, there's something going on in the mind in relationship to it. Maybe there's... um, painful sensation in the knee or something like that. We might be focused on that, you know, noticing that. We might kind of notice the aversion there, you know, that, that there's aversion there, but but we may be more focused on how can I get rid of this than really knowing, wow, there's wanting to get rid of it that's happening. And so the, the um, encouragement of noticing what, how are we in relationship to experience so there's this pain in the knee what, what's the what's the relationship there so how is the mind because these wholesome and unwholesome qualities these wholesome states and unwholesome states these are mental activities they are mental states of mind and so it's it's recognizing not just what's going on in the body but how is the mind in relationship to it And then we begin to notice. Sometimes when there's unpleasant sensation, there is this aversion in the mind. Oh, that's an unwholesome state. And we begin to understand it as unwholesome because we see how it affects us to have that aversion. We feel that the system begins to understand directly that these unwholesome qualities move the system in the direction of struggle, of stress, of suffering. And we also begin to see with the investigation, the paradox, and it feels like a paradox, but it's, it's, it's not paradoxical when you understand it. You know, that, that when you can know, oh, this is the experience of aversion and the, the, the unpleasant, the unwholesome quality, careful attention to that when we know the kind of effect that it has to have that aversion arising in the mind, we are simultaneously cultivating the wholesome qualities of mindfulness and investigation. And and we can begin to know that. We can begin to see, when I pay attention in this way, 
there is a little bit of space that comes in connection with being aware of that. And we begin to understand something about the value of the mindfulness and the investigation. So right in the exploration of something challenging, we can begin to understand something about both the unwholesome and the wholesome. We understand something about how aversion is unwholesome and how it leads in the direction of stress and struggle. And we understand something about the mindfulness. Potentially, we can understand something about the mindfulness and how it supports some ease around noticing that. How the curiosity enlivens the mind rather than letting it sink into and get overwhelmed by the experience. And so we we taste the benefit of those wholesome qualities. And that moves us more towards, or the the system, our system begins to really feel or connect to, that way is helpful. And so it encourages or supports the interest in the engagement with the wholesome. So this is, this is the encouragement of Dhamma Vichaya to get to know, to be curious about the wholesome and the unwholesome and the effect that they have on us. How do they, how do they affect us? In the guided meditation, I encourage this exploration a little bit to see, you know, maybe there could be a little bit of a taste of that, whatever you are working with, you know, the taste of the experience or the flavor of knowing that you're aware. Maybe, maybe there can be a sense of the effect of what it, what, what is, what mindfulness, how mindfulness affects the system. As opposed to just being mindful, noticing how does it, how does it affect us? Because it does create some space. Being curious about experience creates some kind of liveliness to the experience, which supports the movement towards energy. So we can be aware of um, the the unwholesome, you know, aware that, oh, this is, you know, so there's aversion happening in the mind and, you know, let's get familiar with what's that, what that experience is. That just that movement, you know, brings in that non-judgmental capacity, strengthens the non-judgmental capacity of mindfulness. So it's a beautiful thing the way these all, you know, support each other. Sometimes, we might not be feeling much of um, reactivity. You know, like we, can, we might be feeling like, yeah, things are going along pretty smoothly. That's also a useful time to check in. Well, what's the relationship to this? What's going on? Because sometimes when things feel like they're, they're a little bit smooth, you know, when it's like, yeah, wow, not so much reactivity, there's also a relationship to that. And it's useful, again, to check in. What's going on in the mind in connection to the sense of not much reactivity happening? Sometimes it can be boredom. You know, it's like, wow, not much is happening. Doesn't What's going on? You know, nothing's happening. You know, yeah, there's a little bit of body sensation, but there's not even very much of that happening, you know. So we might, we might have a sense of boredom or a sense of what do I pay attention to? You know, how, how do I pay attention to this? So there, there can be some reactivity in the mind, like subtle kind of um, uh, 
pushing against the the space of non-reactivity, which can at first feel pretty blank or, you know, not so much going on. So that, that uh, or, you know, the other thing that can happen there is it's just like, oh, yeah, this is pleasant. And we just kind of drift into the pleasant because it feels good. And so there's kind of a delusion there. We lose mindfulness. So the those spaces of, oh, not much reactivity happening. Can we be curious about what the relationship to it is? So to notice, you know, if there is some sense of just like, oh, wanting to just sink into it and float away in pleasantness or a sense of, wow, how do I be with this? Or it's boring to not have anything happening. I want something to pay attention to. So noticing that. And then we can see, be mindful of that. You know, oh, boredom. This is, boredom's happening. I didn't know there was boredom here. Or just like kind of wanting to float away is happening. You know, we can know that. But sometimes when we find ourselves in a space of non-reactivity, checking into what's the, what's happening in the mind here? You know, what is the mind's experience while non-reactivity is happening. This is this may point out that you know this is a kind of a way to investigate the wholesomeness of the non-reactivity. Is as you know the, the definition of wholesome qualities, the absence of greed, aversion, delusion. So the absence of that reactivity. So investigating that one way in is to kind of be curious, well, what is what is the experience of this non-reactivity? What's in the mind? Sometimes as we explore that, as we kind of find our way to these spaces where it feels a little like floaty or or like not much of what we're normally familiar with being aware of, our body sensations or something strong of kind of happening in our experience. The qualities of non-reactivity are subtler. And so they're harder sometimes to connect with. So this is, this is a place where the investigation is kind of like it, we might just enliven the investigation a little bit by reminding ourselves, okay, well, non-reactivity is happening. Let's see what that's like. You know, kind of bring in that, that question. What is it like to be non-reactive, to have non-reactivity? When we check into what's going on in the mind there, very, you know, what can be there are flavors of the seven factors of awakening, are flavors of the Brahma Viharas sometimes. So not to be, we don't have to necessarily look for trying to find anything in particular, but just be curious. Well, there's not reactivity happening, so, so what's here? Maybe it's just a sense of calmness. That's often the space in a way because, you know, calmness is so subtle and doesn't have a lot of anything to really have traction on to pay attention to. When I first really started connecting with that experience of tranquility, it's like, wow, you know, it's not like I could really put my hand on, you know, this is what, this is what tranquility is like. It was much more vague, but I could just, check in and just like recognize, yep, tranquility. This is a calm mind. It's kind of a a broader sense of, oh, this is a calm mind. And we learn how to attend to these wholesome states 
by kind of the willingness to not have to have something so specific to land on. So this really is a place where the being with can be very helpful in investigating some of these wholesome states, some of these things we're less familiar with. And sometimes it might be the quality of love or compassion or joy that's there in the mind when there's not much reactivity happening. And we might have missed it because we are so focused on the more, you know, what we're more familiar with being aware of. So this brings in the investigation, this kind of curiosity about the wholesome and the unwholesome. And as we engage with that, it does tend to support the movement towards, you know, as we see, as we see the benefit of the wholesome and the um, mind moves more towards in that direction, it increases the energy, which is the next factor of awakening, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. So, um, yeah, we've got a few minutes for some comments or questions, so I'm curious if there's... Any reflections based on what I shared? Yeah, Jan. Oh, you're still muted. All right. Can you hear me all right now? Okay. Um, You know, I'll just use a brief example. Um, I'd been experiencing some ennui or boredom or monotony. And one morning I, I was feeling great. But then all of a sudden it came over me. You know, I was doing something around breakfast and it was just this, oh, that feeling of I've done this a thousand times. Oh. And, but I, I was aware of it in the moment. Like, right? So then there was like, oh, there that is. I'm thinking that thought and I'm, and then I thought, well, that's not helpful. Right? So then I turned my attention to wonder or the moment, right? Back into... Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But but my question is, that seems to come with grace. That doesn't seem to come with intention. The, that's not helpful? Well, the noticing of the moment, that moment of mindfulness that I'm creating the ennui by my thoughts. Yes. Right? That... That feels like grace. It is in a way. I mean, and and it's grace, but it's not just random grace. You know, it is grace that happens because we have cultivated the capacity. And I was noticing the ennui in general and kind of looking at it. And then, yes, all my mindfulness practice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like that moment of grace. It's, you know, it's like, you know, we've been planting seeds for these wholesome qualities and one of them sprouted in that moment. The conditions were right in that moment. And when you're available for it, it's like, yeah, you get to experience that grace. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting kind of, Thing. You know, it's like mindfulness is a supportive condition for mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Other questions or thoughts? Yeah, Mike. Thank you very much. Great talk and meditation. Um, I think what kept coming up for me 
um, was um, recently, I feel like, um, so um, when, I, when my mind wanders and I come back and I can kind of let go a bit, there's a calmness, but I feel recently what has helped me kind of, um, you know, I, it may be an exaggeration, but I feel like slightly edged towards those other seven factors as well is um, just bringing a, a touch of loving kindness to that moment when I've realized and let go. So if I feel like, oh, I was just, you know, had a mind wander thinking about blah, blah, blah. And when I come back to it, instead of just letting go of it, bringing a small sense of kind of, um, you know, without words, but a kind of giving it a warm hug of recognition rather than just um, recognizing it in a cold way. And somehow that, and, and a little bit of my question is I don't want to kind of be overtly convincing myself of something. So I, I'm wondering if, if there's a danger of like, I'm going to bring loving kindness in here. Um, well, I'm not hearing over. that. I'm not hearing that danger in what you're saying, you know, and how you're connecting with it. You know, the experience of mindfulness, there's, we don't, you know, in many ways, the, the quality for mindfulness to connect with the experience, to meet experience, it has a care to it. You know, it, it is like that friend, that really interested friend that wants to know how you are. And so it comes with that or can come with that. I think we think about mindfulness as being kind of very neutral or cold, but, but, or, or just Im, impartial or something. And there is a quality of impartiality, but that quality of impartiality with the mindfulness is what allows anything to be there. And we experience that with the quality of care and of love and of kindness. And so if there's a sense of connecting with that as a part of the mindfulness or even just a little reminder, you know, that can be, that can infuse the mindfulness. That's fine. You know, you will notice if it starts to tip into the grabbiness around it. There will be some str some struggle, some stress there, some feeling of where's that <laughs> where's that meta, and 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 so you'll notice it. You know, while it feels helpful in this way, just trust it. Trust it while it feels helpful. And there may be a little bit of clinging in there, but you know, if you're not noticing that, don't worry about it. It will reveal itself at some point, if it's there, and it may not be there. So, so, so just trust, trust that sense of the, you know, the, the, the way that it's supportive. <laughs>